Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to an episode today here on the Growing Green Podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings, and I'm super excited to come to you today with another fresh new episode for you, and we have an awesome guest interview coming up. This one's going to come in hot and heavy, and we are not going to waste any time today getting to it. So we have Chase with Chase Lawn and Landscape joining us on the show today out of Oklahoma, I believe. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having us. We're super excited to talk today all about landscaping in general. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I followed your Instagram for a while now. You have uh, some killer projects, just really, really good content that you're putting out there. And I uh, really enjoy watching it. And I was like, man, this is a really cool business out West that um, I haven't seen or heard much about, but I saw that you guys are just doing really good work. And I wanted to get you on and kind of hear a little bit more of your story. Looks like you've got a somewhat of a larger size company, uh, maybe medium to large size company there. And we'd love to just hear more about it. So uh, if, if for any of our listeners who haven't heard of, of what your company is, what you're doing out there in Oklahoma, give us the the backstory on how your lawn and landscape company got started, what the process of the growth has been, uh, and then we'll kind of just go from there. Absolutely. So I started the Chase Lawn and Landscape in 2009. I was 14 at the time. My dad said, you know, you, you want to get a vehicle when you're 16, you need to start saving money. So we need to get a job of some sort. So I took my, uh, my grandpa's Push mower, Honda push mower, classic. You know, Hondas are super awesome push mowers. I took that and I took my dad's Weedy Deer and Edger, and uh, my grandpa bought me a, uh, a landscape wagon, like one of those expanded metal ones, not like a radio flyer. And I knocked on doors for a weekend and I got 25 accounts. I think a lot of it was probably sympathy, feeling bad for this kid doing lawns for 25 bucks a pop. So, <clears throat> you know, when you're, when you're 14 and you make three, 400 bucks in a week, you're thinking that you're just rolling in the dough, but it was cool. It opened my eyes up to, you know, the green industry as a whole and just making money, um, kind of on your time and the way that you want to do that. So it, it kind of, the first year grew, um, my dad kind of felt bad for me. So he ended up going out and since I couldn't drive at the time, he ended up going out and towing the trailer. We, we got a trailer ended up towing the trailer for me, taught me how to drive a truck and trailer the right way. And, um, in high school, um, my first employee was actually my general manager to this day. So Dakota Stowe and I, uh, we've known each other since we were 12. We played football together and, um, he was my first employee. He ended up going to work for quick trip about, Oh, college area, like freshman year of college. He had a girlfriend. They went to OU together for a couple maybe a couple semesters or a couple years. And then they ended up moving back. OU just wasn't really the right fit on campus for her. And, uh, he ended up coming back here to work for, for Chase on a landscape. And it's been great. Um, but Chase on a landscape is a full scale lawn landscape irrigation company. We do design and build services and we have generally about 20 Hispanic workers for us in the field, um, during the, the, the busy season. So that was like last year we had, 
typically around 17 to 20 guys. And we have guys that are fo- they, they really specialize in the irrigation or the landscaping or the concrete, um, hardscaping building services uh, in a, as a whole. So it's really cool to see these guys. We come up with designs together. You know, we brainstorm together and we come up with some really cool stuff. And this year, we've really started to, do- or sorry, I should say 2023, we really started to document, you know, our journey throughout the year. So one of my good friends, Aaron Davis, who is a, if anybody in this, listening to this podcast is a big waterfowl uh, fanatic, he's a huge deal in the waterfowl world. Um, probably, you know, the top photographer, honestly, in that waterfowl, waterfowl industry, he's just a huge name, but he's local. Uh, his wife and my wife are really good friends. And that's actually how we got introduced to each other was we went on a double date and we've been friends since then. So he said, Hey, you know, I've got a great idea with your social media. I think that you can really, you know, get a lot of good ideas from, from what I've done for your social media. And in turn, it will really help your business. And sure enough, it did. We, we probably, I'd have to look, I mean, I've got notes on this, but we probably made $500,000, $600,000 in sales just off of our social media. And it wasn't like, Hey, look at our Instagram, look at our Facebook. It was here's our portfolio of services that we offer and look at the quality. Mm. And, um, people, you know, people are astounded by the quality. A lot of times whenever, you know, you're a landscaping company, it's hard to convey that message. It's not like going into Bass Pro and seeing that decoy or that shotgun on the shelf. And you're like, man, this thing, you know, feels great in my arm. It was great in my hands. I want to buy it at shoulders. It, it shoulders perfectly for me. It's hard to sell people because they've got to trust you. They've got to see the design. They need to see potentially previous work, maybe talk to previous clients that you've worked with as a whole. So we've really tried to kind of be a little bit more systemized on all of that stuff. Refer back to our social media, look at our website. Here's a portfolio, like actual, um, of just all the work that we've done. So that's helped us out a lot. Another thing that's really helped us grow over the last year or so has been, um, we're, we're in, in an ACE group with McFarland Stanford. They're a green industry coaching slash consulting firm. Um, lots of guys around the nation are actually in that. Um, you're going to have a lot of big companies. You're going to have a lot of small companies as well, which is cool. So it brings a lot of value. But what it is is you have a group. You have the ACE Discovery in March that you go to in Louisiana and uh, New Orleans, and you get paired up kind of about – kind of close to your revenue size. I mean, they're not going to have a guy that's doing a million dollars with somebody that's doing 20 million mm-hmm. necessarily, but you can of course talk to that $20 million, you know, business owner. That's, that's not a problem at all. It's not like he's too good for you or anything. But what I love so much about that is everybody's super honest and open about their systems, their numbers and their business. Like everybody's in this together. Let's figure this out. If you're having a problem with hiring the correct employees or, getting systems in place for your maintenance division, whatever it might be. So what, what they've helped us with is getting more organized. There's always room for organization. And also we are starting to uh, use them for bookkeeping. So they're going to help us with our numbers. Just when you think you know your numbers, you can always learn something more. And uh, we're in a peer group with like 12 or 14 other guys. And, you know, they're, they're, their uh, companies range from about a million to $5 million. So it's cool to see different perspectives. You get to see their morning rollout. 
you get to see the way that they operate with their management. You get to see how they operate with their crew leaders, how their shop is set up, all that stuff. So you'll do a site tour with your group. And then a lot of people know about this, the grow group, Marty Grunder's grow group. We, we go to that every year. That's kind of a, almost a, a little bit of a taste of what an ACE peer group would be with an on-site meeting. But you also have a once-a-month meeting with your uh, business coach, and that's helped us out a ton. So I always recommend, like, in the green industry, just because other guys are mowing lawns or doing landscaping or irrigation doesn't mean that you've got to be an enemy to them. You can learn something from anybody. You really just have to be open-minded and, and you know, be welcoming of a, of, of a new idea or it's going to limit you. So I'd say one of the biggest things that's helped us grow is having an open mind for Dakota and myself to listen to other people. So in 2021, uh, 2020, we had, we had some typical problems with employees. It wasn't anything catastrophic, but 2019 was horrible. Um, it was an absolutely catastrophic year for us. We thought we were doing well and it's just, it derailed real fast. Um, had a lot of guys, um, I, I really can't remember what we were doing revenue wise in 2019, but I just knew we were, we were just going down a bad dark path and I got set up on LMN, started to do that budget. And that really helped us to figure out our bidding process and how to price things the right way based on that budget that you build in LMN. And that's, you can do the free version or you can do, you know, a paid version if you want to do that as well. And then, um, we were, we, we started to get better in 2020. We had a little bit of problems in 2020, just like anybody does, but we had some good systems in place. We built on that for 2021. In 2021, things went pretty well. And then in 2022, things got really good with having good employees in place for, you know, each division. We had guys, key, key guys that we could focus on and count on every day. They're going to get the team ready to go. They're going to make sure that everybody's held accountable and everybody's going to be doing the work to the highest quality that they can possibly do. And if they can't cut it, well, then we'll hold them accountable until they can match what we're expecting. And if they, you know, what we want to do is we want to hold somebody so accountable that they either can match the quality of work that we want them to do. And if they cannot do that, then they're going to end up quitting because it's so much pressure on them. And we don't, we don't really fire many people at all. Um, this whole year, this whole year of 2023, I think I fired one person. Um, and we had probably three or four people that ended up quitting because we were holding them so accountable. We had a crew leader that did, um, it was an unfortunate deal. I mean, he was a good kid, but it was just an immature mindset and we tried to coach him up the best we could. But I always, I highly recommend if you can coach somebody rather than fire somebody, it's a lot easier. It's the same concept as if you can retain a client, a lot easier to sell them on that and keep a client around than it is to find a new client and earn a new client's business and trust. So um, that's that's a big focus for us as well. But like I was saying, though, accountability is a huge deal for us. And 2022 was great. 2023 was the best year we've had in business um, across the board. It was our systems. It was our culture. It was our social media. It was the quality of client that we were attracting. And a lot of that has to do with the team that we have. We, we're all in uniform. Uh, we hold each other all accountable. We, you know, if we see a piece of trash that we didn't throw down, we're going to pick it up. And that's that, you know, that's that quick trip. That's that anywhere that we're walking in. I mean, our, our employees are our biggest asset. They're the most important people 
their most important asset, their most important thing in our company. And we want to always make sure that they're taken care of, but we hold them so accountable that we want nothing but excellence. And we filter it out people that way. And it's really helped us. And it's a different way to do it. But I learned a lot about that from McFarland Stanford. Rather than firing people and having a revolving door constantly, because that's such a stigma in the green industry, hold your guys so accountable that they're going to either meet that criteria that you want in your business or they're going to quit one of the two. And it's, it's really turned out great for us. Um, but that's, that's some of the main ways that we've grown over the last few years. We've had, we've grown our relationships. Like my day to day job is business development and then also focusing on the finances of the company. Whereas Dakota is over landscaping and then our production manager drew is over our irrigation division. And, um, that's helped us out a lot with just the organization as a whole lawn maintenance. I am over, but Diego does a really good job with, uh, maintaining his, his guys. So that's, that's been awesome. And then Pedro is our irrigation supervisor, uh, like our lead tech. And he's been, he's been really good. He, he's super knowledgeable. He actually, he came from Mexico and was a, uh, a plumber in Mexico. So he already knew quite a bit about pipe and stuff like that. So putting in irrigation systems, doing those repairs is really just super simple for him. And he's, he's a very smart guy when it comes to blue collar work using your hands. And the, uh, the pergola project that we did on the social media that, that was shown, he was actually the one that came up with all of that, uh, design. I showed him a picture, said, Hey, I want something like this. What can we do? And he, he ran with it. So although he's our irrigation supervisor, he helps with a lot of the other stuff. And then Fernando is actually Pedro's brother and, Fernando came from concrete uh, background and hardscaping, and he's really just done a phenomenal job with leading our landscaping division with just the landscape services, the concrete with the pergolas. It's been awesome. So really, really proud of the guys. Um, God certainly blessed all of us having each other, but it's just been a, a huge deal to have the team that we have. I mean, that that is – I completely – wholeheartedly believe that is why we're successful today is because of our team no other reason why yeah man that's uh that's a wild wild growth journey uh there's so much i think we can unpack that for about two hours but we don't have time for that today uh maybe we'll have to do another second episode down the road but you talk about um growing the last couple years so but it sounds like you've been in business of what about 15 you would say 14 15 since you were 2009 i guess yeah you know and 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 you were in school then so yeah, in high school, um, obviously, we're just kind of making money for yeah. fuel and insurance and having some fun money. For sure. Uh, really, we didn't get super serious with the business until 2014. Okay. And that was my that was my freshman year in college. And so I'm 29 now. And uh, right now, um, I mean, I really, I can't say that I would change necessarily anything. The only thing I'd really probably change would be getting into irrigation services a little bit earlier than we did. Tulsa, Oklahoma has a pretty large gap in irrigation services. There's only maybe three companies in town that really do a good job of irrigation services. And that's one of like, we're one of them. And the, I think the main reason why we're so good at irrigation is because of Drew and Pedro. And I mean, of course the, the team that is around that irrigation division, but a lot of people don't truly understand how to install irrigation systems or how to do the repairs the correct way where you're not just trying to get it, you know, put a bandaid on there and get to the next job to make a buck. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, integrity comes with that a lot. I mean, so as you've grown, did you grow uh, lawn maintenance? How, is that what you started and could just kind of have developed yeah, into so the started, other stuff from that? Started started mowing lawns and then, of course, you know, get into a little bit of shrub trimming and then putting some mulch down and then uh, getting into, you know, the landscaping side of things. The, the first big landscape job that we did was, was a commercial job for a restaurant that's not in business anymore. Um, they might be in different states, but they, they came to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma and they, and they were in business for like six months and they, I don't know if they just weren't making the money or they, if they went bankrupt, I'm not sure. But, um, we did a $60,000 landscape job for them. And I, I was a, I was a, I was a senior, but I was going to be a fifth year senior. So it was my senior year of college and I had one more year of college and I had like, I don't know, four or five employees at the time. And Dakota, Dakota was one of them. And all the guys, but Dakota let us strike. They wanted $2 more an hour. I was like, man, we've already had some problems with you guys. Like, I'm not doing that. That was back in 2017, 2016, something like that. And so we, we busted it out. We got the landscape job done. But it was in the fall. It was Christmas light season, leaf removal season, end of mowing, landscaping. So it was it was a huge headache to deal with. But we ended up getting it all handled and got it done. But I had to quit school because of that. I was like, Hey, I can either pick school or I can go ahead and basically, you know, lose half my business if I pick school or I can get this job done and continue on the line. So I, I continued and, and I really, I don't regret that. I'm not looking back at all. Uh, very happy with where we are. So our, our projection for 2024 is 2.5 to 2.75 million. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that anybody should be shy about talking about their revenue. And they also shouldn't lie about that. Um, that's one thing that McFarland Stanford, I mean, if you, if you lie about your revenue, they're going to find out because you've got to turn in your financials quarterly or monthly. And that's one of those things where, uh, it's really opened up my eyes to see like most companies that when you talk to them, um, they're really trying to size you up. Like, you know, how many crews do you have? Like, Oh, well I have, you know, one more than you, or oh, I make a hundred thousand dollars more a year than your company does. That's all fine and dandy, but really what it boils down to is your systems, your profitability, all that stuff. So if anybody, anybody that is listening, I want you to understand like profitability is what matters. Systems is what matters. How do you sleep at night as a business owner? Yeah. Are you happy? Do you, do you dread going to work? Do you dread payroll whenever payroll comes up weekly or biweekly? There's a lot of those questions. And I mean, I've been through all that stuff, but I can say you need to make sure that what you're doing makes you happy, of course, and that you are running your business the right way. And there's many different resources to find all that stuff out. What do you say? So I've, I've been talking a lot recently um, about systems and processes, putting those things into place, because I think that it is a key indicator in how you're going to grow uh, over the next 6, 8, 10, 12 months, however long um, that you're looking to grow your company. Absolutely. What would you say uh, over your last couple years in business uh, were some of the most key systems and processes that you put in place uh, early on? 2022 was finding some solid employees to really have the trust in the field and making sure that they were in uniform, they were safe, uh, safety protocols were always met, and the quality was there and did a lot of training. So, that was kind of our theme for 2022 for 2023. You know, just when I thought our culture was good, we, we toured summit landscape in San Antonio for the grow group in 2023. And I was blown away by their culture. I mean, like mind blown over it. And I was like, well, just when I thought my culture was good, it's terrible. So we focused a lot on culture this year. 
in accountability. That was kind of our theme for 2023. And that was our systems that we focused on for that year. For 2024, we're focused on profitability again and also organization. And once again, just accountability. I mean, I, I, I can't really stress that enough. And I've, I know I've said that a million times on this podcast, but accountability is, is really everything with your employees. Um, if you want them to be successful, whether it's in their personal life or for your business, you, you've got to hold them accountable. Yeah, yeah. Accountability is huge. And I think that's something that's hard for guys to do, especially when you're a smaller team and you're really, really reliant on that one or two guys that you have there. It's hard to like hold them accountable. I've personally been in that situation before. um, And so I I totally understand that. But go back to hiring employees. And and I think the reason I want to hit on this uh, here towards the end of the show is because we're we're about to get into the springtime and people are going to be needing to add guys to their team. What, how did you find good employees? Like, what was the hiring process? What was the vetting process um, to get those guys in the door? And then once they're in the door, just to, to retain them, aside from the whole accountability so um, thing like we, that. We, have a, we do have a pretty stringent interview process with, compared to other landscape companies, I would say. I mean, different companies, different industries are going to be way different. But Element has a great resource with their, li- their, their uh, file library or something. I can't remember what it's called. But you can go in there. There's like 700 plus documents. And I'm telling you, Element is a great resource for any size business you're in. It does not matter to, to do your budget, to do your estimating. But they have resources where there's interview questions. There's, you know, the there's a resume or they turn in the resume, but it kind of guides you on like what to look for in a resume. And also the interview questions that get, it, it can give you all these questions to ask that you never really would think of. And practicing that, learning that, looking at other people's interview processes from watching, I mean, watching YouTube videos, just all that stuff. We've really learned a lot about that. So if in, in the interview process, something that we do is we'll get, we'll ask them, Hey, do you want a water or, you know, a coffee or anything like that? And they say yes or no. Uh, when they say yes, this is when I get excited yeah. because a lot of times you'll give them the coffee, you'll give them the water. And at the end of the interview, the, the big thing is, why we have so many interview questions on our, on our packet is because we want to see how thorough you're going to answer. And a lot of guys will say, do I have to fill this out? Immediately, you're not going to get hired because if you don't even want to fill something out that's five pages long with, you know, 20 questions, you're not going to get the work done the way that we want it to be done. Yeah. And then also, do you push your chair in? How do you come dressed to the interview? And then the big kicker is when you get finished drinking that, that little bitty water or that coffee, are you going to throw it away or leave it on my desk? And that right there, a lot of times speaks volume for their character or how they were raised or their maturity level. And that answers a lot of questions right there in that interview. So that is the main thing. Another thing also is, do they show up to the interview on time? So there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tips and tricks. And again, we don't have a lot of time. We can really dive deep into that. But that is one, one thing that we do in our interview process. But a lot of the guys, I mean, Hispanic workers, they want to work with their people that they know. They want to work with their cousins or brothers, they, their friends. A lot of these guys have, have brought a lot of their family members along. And Pedro brought his brother. He's great with concrete. So he came over. <clears throat> and then another employee brought his other brother, who is really good with lawn maintenance. And then landscaping, we found out, because it was just kind of a natural ability of his that we didn't realize he was good at 
the lawn or at, at the landscaping. He, he was on lawn maintenance, and we needed to have him fill in one day. And we're like, "Oh man, this guy's really good at landscaping." So you you give people a chance a lot of times. Who you know you're going to give somebody somebody's going to give them a recommendation. You give them a chance, and typically for the most part, it works out very well for us. Oklahoma has a very strong population of Hispanic workers, and I mean those guys are the backbone of of America. Yeah, they they yeah. flat out are. We wouldn't have construction or roofing done truly if it was not for Hispanic workers. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was literally having that conversation like last week and those exact words coming out of my mouth is they are, the economy would crumble um, without them showing up <laughs> yeah. to, to actually go to work every day. So that's awesome. You, you do Christmas lights. We're, we just got out of Christmas light season. I imagine um, you are still taking down. You maybe have all yours down already, but uh, what does your Christmas light operation look like, man? Yeah, so our Christmas light is our our Christmas light process is a little bit different than a lot of people. We sell the lights, we do not lease them, and the reason why we sell them is because we charge to store the lights. So we have half of our shop essentially paid for throughout the year from the Christmas lights, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have several that we lease because we bought a Christmas light uh, list in 2023 in like the springtime, and um, we we tried the leasing program and it, it, it works well. I understand completely why people lease the lights. I think it's great. However, um, for us, we do sell the lights. Typically, like I said, we've got about 12 accounts that we lease, but the rest are all going to be done by the sell. And there was a very large uh, turf care company here in Tulsa. This is really what made my mind up in this decision making on the sell versus the lease. Huge, huge turf care company. They're probably doing 20 million a year. And uh, great company, great quality. They leased all their lights. True Green bought them. The problem was True Green doesn't do any uh, Christmas lights. And they had all their inventory. And some guy, from what I heard, I don't know if this is true, bought like half the inventory. And then the rest of it, they just threw away. And all those Christmas light accounts, you know, they just kind of went up in the yeah. air like, well, we, we don't have the provider anymore. So yeah. they're back to square one of trying to find somebody to, to do that. So for us, if we sell the company, like if I go and I sell Chase on a landscape to someone or to a corporate company, I want to make sure that like, the customers are taken care of. Mm-hmm. They've taken care of us. We want to take care of them. We want to make sure that if the person that – if the, co- the company or the person that buys Chase on the landscape in the future, if we ever did sell – uh, doesn't do Christmas lights. Well, at least you have your Christmas lights back so you can find another provider. So that's, that's the main reason. And also the passive income, essentially, I mean, quote unquote, passive income yeah. for the storage fee. You know, we have that in, and we have that on a uh, couple different powder racks right now, but we are actually moving that to a 40 foot shipping container in our yard. That's, that's what we're going to do with our Christmas light storage, but it works out very well um, with the space that we have. Now, if you don't have space, I understand why people would lease and then allow the other clients to hold the lights, but I don't recommend that because so many times if you have a cruise ship to a house, they say, oh, well, we didn't realize you guys were going to get here this early, so we yeah. got to go from the attic and find the lights or go to the shed or go to the garage, and you've got a bunch of wasted labor and time. So yeah. always, if you can, whether you lease your lights or you sell them, store those lights. 
Yeah, hundred percent. We I do the I run the leasing model and I store all of our lights as well because I'm not relying on other customers uh, for to have their lights out when we show up. So uh, right. I'm, I'm going to try to be in control of that operation as much as I can. Well, Chase, we are flat out of time, man. Uh, I've got a hard stop, but but we're hundred percent going to do a follow up show like really soon because I Let's think we it. literally could do another two hour show. So uh, tell everybody <laughs> where they can find you if they want to link up and follow you on social until we get you back on and go a little more in depth. Yeah, so we're just Chase Lawn Landscape on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, we don't have a TikTok, but we, we're always doing stuff on Instagram, lots of videos, and please always feel free to reach out to us on DM, and somebody will get to you, get back to you on that for sure within a day or two. But love to talk to people in the industry. Uh, we're never shy, and it's always great to learn, like I said, something from anybody. Awesome, dude. Well, I super appreciate your time today. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If it brought value to you, leave us a big five-star rating and review. Um, those just always help us so much as we conti- uh, continue to try to grow the community one relationship at a time. But without any further ado, guys, that's going to wrap this episode up, and we look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green Podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.